welcome to the latest Kings of Anglia Isolation podcast. It's Monday morning. I'm in my conservatory slash dining room. The boys are split around the county in their various isolation stations. I'm your host, Mark Heath, as ever. And the three men that really matter, the faces, faces of the franchise, excuse me, as I say, at home, isolating, sticking to the rules. Dr. Stuart Watson, first of all, how are you? Good, thanks. Do you want, you want to repeat your public health announcement of, of last last week? I think it's still important. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, stay the fucking doors, everybody. Exactly. That's, that's, that's the advice. That's from a doctor. So you have to take that. Uh, Hutch Hogan, you're in your spare room, I believe. How's things? Solid, mate. Solid. Solid as a rock. Yeah. And Roscoe, producer Ross, who is um, spending his time in isolation wearing all of Ipswich Town's kits from the last 20 years. Pretty much. You're on the is it the playoff season kit you are wearing today? No, uh, 2016-17, I think this is. Right. It's my last shirt that I actually bought nah, in terms of a fan. Uh, that's 17-18, my friend. 18, oh. Okay, oh, done yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Roscoe, have you got a, a favourite one to wear around the house? Is there one that's more comfy than anyone else? Uh, I like the Fison's ones from 1993, the Premier League one. Where you yeah. know the I like that one. I don't know, it just it feels very comfy. Is that the one, the, the, the tie neck? Yeah, one? tie neck, yeah, yeah. Classic. Like that. Absolutely. Nice one, Alan. So boys, um, it's now been three weekends without football. How are we all adapting to life indoors? What, what do we get up to at the weekend? Stewie? These, these what have you got up to chats are getting completely irrelevant now, aren't they? We struggled, we struggled before when we were allowed to go out and do things. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, st- just stayed in, just stayed in. Uh, me, me and a few of my old mates got together on one of these sort of um, big video group chats on Saturday night and uh, sunk quite a bit of alcohol. Um, that was quite fun, a little online party. A virtual drinking session? Yeah. How long did that last? Uh, quite a few hours. Yeah? Yeah, people were just so you- sort of coming and going. And Set the scene then, so you're what, just sat in your spare room drinking? With, I was with... in the kit. I was in the kitchen. Yeah, yeah. Mrs. was in the other room watching some telly. Got the little and down to bed, and then got on it. Cracked open some beers, and yeah. some wine, and some I, spirits. I still think Did we should dress up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tux. Yeah. I still think we should do a uh, Kings of Anglia drinking um, podcast where we just slowly get drunk. Obviously, Hutchie would be the voice of reason amongst, amongst all that. Staying on the Pepsi, but I think that'd be good fun. We could do a drinking games one even. Um, Hotshow, what did you get up to this weekend? My wife's thirty-third birthday this weekend, oh, so God. we we had a we had a great time. Yeah, we did had have... our. Okay, mate. I was going to say, did you have plans like that you had to cancel and stuff like that, or? Um, well, we we were supposed to be in Lisbon, which oh, obviously shit. we're not. No, um, but we we did our state our state prescribed. Uh, exercise hour. Yeah, we went out for a bike. Went out for a bike ride. I made a cake. Yeah, uh, I made a curry. Nice. It was all right. Yeah, probably the best lockdown day yet. But um, yeah. probably many, not not great in terms how, of birthdays. But how many holidays now have you or breaks have you had ruined by various things? So Liz uh, was one. Three this year. Yeah, you had the obviously the trip to Milan to watch the what turned out to be an incredible game of football, the Milan derby. That was cancelled by Storm Sierra, was it? Yep. And then the you had the, the trip over to to Holland. Was was it Holland you were going to? Oh, oh, that's that's a, four overseas trips actually. Yeah. yeah then, then it was then it was um, Juventus against AC Milan. That was coronavirus that that did for that one. But that was when coronavirus didn't impact us at all and was just an Italian problem. Yeah. Then uh, then I was supposed to be going over to, to the Netherlands to see a former Ipswich player about something. Yeah. In Lisbon. Had a trip to Scotland cancelled for a family wedding, which thankfully they've managed to get all their money back, which is right. good. Um, yeah, that's it. There are bigger things than holidays, though. Yeah. Yeah, it's not been kind to you, though, with that kind of luck. Um, Roscoe, what did you get up to at the weekend? <laughs> Nothing. Sasha was working. <laughs> Sasha worked all weekend, so I've been home alone. So I've just been binge-watching Netflix and sleeping, really. 
what was the best thing you watched on Netflix? Uh, I rewatched something called Lone Survivor, Mark Wahlberg and all that. Oh, that's a good film, actually. It's a true story. Yeah. yeah, true story. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I watched that, and yeah, I went for my as you know, the government has said, go out for your walks. I've been doing some walking and stuff, exercising when I can, but yeah, mostly sleeping. To be fair. Boys, am I allowed to say that I'm actually bloody loving this isolation? I mean, I am one of the most antisocial people you will meet. So to have, not to have to make an excuse to not see people is absolutely tremendous for me. Fair enough. I think you'd feel differently if you were locked in a house with a child. Oh, well, yeah, I guess. Ross, Ross's, uh, Ross's experience sounds very different, very different to Sorry. mine. No. There's no uh, no box sets going on here, no uh, no sleeping, but lots of forts and lots of dens and. Um, That's pretty cool. Of... Yeah, yeah, that breaks up the uh, that breaks up the crying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all, we're, all uh, we're we're rewatching classic films, so we did Goodfellas. We had an Italian themed Saturday night. Where we made an Italian film. Well, I say we made the wife made. Yeah. She's a tremendous cook. I'm very lucky. That looked really good. Yeah. So we had homemade pasta. We did the homemade bruschetta. We also did homemade bitter rolls and watched Goodfellas, which is a, obviously a classic film. Uh, and last night we had uh, we had a, a roast beef with all the trimmings and enjoyed um, Gladiator. Absolutely tremendous. Brilliant. Um, so, yeah, good times. Good times. Um, <clears throat> boys, should we talk about something Ipswich Town related, being this is an Ipswich Town pod? We're gonna have a little debate every every Monday pod um, to fill the fill the space. Obviously, in the lack of actual football to talk about. Last week we talked about what we talked about last week legends versus icons, which I thought was an interesting chat. Uh, seemed to go down pretty well. And this week I wanted to talk about the best loan players Town have had. We put that out on our, our Kings of Anglia social media on Twitter. Got a lot of people talking, and, and Roscoe did a little video as well. Um, so best loan players in town history, boys. The obvious one that everyone always goes straight away, like a reflex reaction, is Joe Dos Santos. Um, now, he's probably the best player in terms of technical ability and obviously overall impact on the world game. Still seems ridiculous that he ever played for town. Um, there are obviously lots of other people who, who would contend. So, actually, let's start with you. Is Joe Dos Santos the best loan player that town have ever had? No. Okay, who is? I, I think it. I think it. It's not. It's certainly not him. I, that kind of depends how you want to interpret alone. Really, like he he played what eight games and scored four goals. He was very good. Clearly, yeah. too good. Shouldn't have been there. But he ultimately had no impact really mm. on the future, the history of the club. That season that he was there was the end. That was the end of Jim McGilton's um, uh, time as manager. Missed the playoffs. Um, ultimately, of little consequence to Ipswich. A great player, wonderful to watch. Really exciting that he was in an Ipswich shirt. But if you look at some of the other lone players that have had a real impact on Ipswich Town, um, for me, I wouldn't have Geo at the top of that list. I'd, Sadly, would he be in your top five? Um, no, but on, only because I'm maybe taking the the question differently to what some other people would. Yeah, that there are players that had much much more of an impact than than he did. I'm not I'm not disputing that he was so much fun to watch. He really was. But you it, it, you got people like like Jim Magilton was a lone player. Martin Royster was a lone player. Even like back to the 80s, Paul Cooper, 70s and 80s, Paul Cooper started as a lone, a lone player for Ipswich. Yeah. DJ, DJ Campbell scored goals that kept yeah. Ipswich in a division. Um, I want I want more impact than a little vanity vanity run at the end of a season. Yeah. DJ Campbell also scores points for an excellent neck tattoo, um, which I think is important. If you get a neck tattoo, extra points. Stewie, who are you putting in the in the top low need category? Uh, yeah, DJ Campbell was someone that in, instantly sprung to mind because, like you say, in terms of the overall impact, his goals were really what started firing Ipswich away from the relegation zone. And yeah. you know, without that, they wouldn't have had the the subsequent build under Mick and the, the run to the playoffs and everything that that followed. So that's a good shout. Um, Jimmy Bullard is quite topical considering we put that 
the feature out at the weekend with him. Um, that loan spell at the end of the season I, I just put smiles on people's faces and got people enthused mm. after the end of the Roy Keane era and probably sold quite a few season tickets and or um, Johnny Williams is someone that I, I think someone who keeps returning as well. That becomes you know Daryl Murphy had three loan spells before he signed permanently. Johnny Williams kept coming back and was a really popular figure and um, I loved watching him play the way he plays and it was just such a shame with with injuries mm. um Ryan Fraser Ryan Fraser and Tom Lawrence in more recent times Fraser in particular I just thought was was class and after that playoff season we were all saying that the, the wing positions if they, if Ipswich can upgrade those you know as much as we loved Tabby and Anando on the wings you know they were they were hard-working wide midfielders and if when they went out and got Fraser and Maitland-Niles that that summer and I watched them in pre-season training I thought if you can get Murphy playing the way he did last year with with two proper wingers feeding them yeah I was excited about that and um Fraser was class and again it's just a shame with injuries that that he couldn't play more mm-hmm. Rossi what are you saying you put together a video on, on the on the best loan players is there one one of you that stands out more than others uh, uh Jordan Graham <laughs> we'll talk about evil. worst in a minute. <laughs> um, I do, I do get what, what um, Hutchie says about Giovanni Dos Santos. Like in terms of a player, like quality, he shouldn't have ever played for us, really. Um, yeah. But yeah, the impact he made wasn't really for the future. Really, it was just there and then. Really, um, but like players like Jim Jilton, who signed on loan at the start, then signed permanently, was is just amazing. Like even Jamie Clapham, Jamie Clapham was on loan as well yeah. at first. Mm. So so many great players like, like Daryl Murphy as well. You know, he came on loan multiple times and then he signed permanently. So sometimes I like them sort of loans that actually become our player in the future. Yeah. Some don't turn out as good, like Paul Digby. Um, <laughs> but there's um, yeah, I do like that sort of case, that story where they come on loan, they do well. And then they sign permanently and they do well as well. So McGoldrick was alone to start with, wasn't Goldrick, he? Yeah, Goldrick was. Jay Tab was alone to start with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jay Tab, come on. Tabby. Let's let's not have Jay Tab near this discussion. I think another oh, Tabby. Yeah, another good shout is Keith Andrews as well. Oh yeah. He was tremendous. He turned into a goal scoring machine, didn't yeah, he? He scored that, scored right? nine goals for us, nine goals yeah. in I think twenty games. So I never played that. I think we would have liked to sign permanently, but probably wasn't in our price range back then, unfortunately. Yeah. But here's another one: David Unsworth. Joe Royal always says that if he'd have managed to keep David Unsworth there, that they'd have uh, they'd have gone up that season. Mm. Did it? Did it run out just before the playoffs, and he couldn't he couldn't yeah. play at the end of the season? Yeah. Yeah, I think they signed him because you could you could only do it wasn't like transfer window stuff then you could do three month loans and it just didn't. They ended up having to play a combination. I think can't remember which one of them, but they ended up shifting either Drissa Diallo or Fabian Wilness to left back in the playoffs, and it just didn't just didn't mm. work. I tell you who my favorite, my actual favorite loan player to watch for Ipswich was Sixto Peralta. He was my he was my favorite player to watch that's been a been a loan player. And it's just a shame that Ipswich were relegated that year because if they weren't, he'd, he'd have signed permanently. Mm. He, he was great to watch. He was just a street footballer. He, he socks down, getting kicked. Yeah, still yeah. managed to stay up. He was brilliant to watch. Okay, so that, that's that's quite a few names there. Um, can I pin you down to to one over all others for each of you? Would say your favourite slash best town loanee. How many times was Johnny Williams on loan at town, by the way? It seems like he was there. Oh, <laughs> four yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable, wasn't it? He kept coming back every season, it seemed. But anyway, boys, um, Stewie, could I pin you down to, to one? Um, if you wanted my personal favourite, it would yeah. be Ryan Fraser. Yeah. Got injured, didn't he? He was having a tremendous season and then he um, he did his hamstring, didn't he? I seem to remember. Was it was that hamstring injury that, that stopped him? Yeah, yeah. I can't remember I've the name. I've been near, actually, thinking about it. Yeah, he was two injuries, didn't he? Yeah, he was superb. Rossi, what about you? Uh, I think Jim Jilton because of what he did afterwards. Um, but in terms of just a lone player, just in general, I think Keith Andrews, I think definitely because 
I just I used to like him because mm. he scored them goals. But yeah. He had a big impact as well, didn't he? You forget. I mean, when he arrived, Town were obviously really struggling under Jewel. He scored those two goals in the comeback against Barnsley, which probably saved Jewel's job for a, for a time. Um, he was unbelievable when he was here. He yes. later went on to have one of the world's worst haircuts as well, of course, Keith Andrews. <laughs> <laughs> so you're having Keith Andrews. Hutchie, who are you going for? Are you going for Sixto? Uh, no. Um, because I would put him above... There's two categories for me. There's the ones that were on loan and went permanent and then just loans. Peralta's the best loan, but overall, yeah. the whole piece, if it's his best loan player, is Martin Royster. Because during his loan, during the initial loan... He scored that the goal against Bolton in the playoffs and he put the icing on the cake at Wembley. That was during the loan. And that's yeah. why he's above Magilton in the loan, the loan bracket, the loan, uh, the loan ranger. So Martin Royster for me. Excellent. I always love an answer where you show you're working out. That's the best sort of answer. Boys, we also, of course, when we talk about the best loanees, we also have to talk about the worst. And there's been there's a lot of competition, shall we say, for that title. Uh, Roscoe hinted at uh, Flair Jordan, Golden Graham, Jordan Graham, who uh, you'd have to oh, be up there yeah. in, in the running for. He was here twice, wasn't he? Yeah. And did nothing both times. Pretty much. Talk, talked a very good game before the Norwich derby, I seem to remember last time. There's, um, there's actually one player we missed out as well, Jack Colback. Oh, yeah. Good he, won, he won player of the year in his mm. spell. Even Jimmy Bollard did that in his, his loan spell. He was player of the year after only playing 16 games. But. Mm. Yeah, worst players, uh, low players. Jordan Graham's definitely up there, I think. Yeah, we've had, yeah, we've had a few. You forget people like Andrus Townsend with mm. were at Ipswich, and um, it's the right back that went on to do quite well. Um, Danny Simpson, Simpson, people Probably like that. Could've... There were some some players that went on to do good thing. Goalkeepers as well. Who was the um, was Fulop on loan? Yeah, Begovic. Mm. No, Fulop was a permanent. I think he, yeah, I think so. Who is um, it? Mike Pollitt that was here for one game, yeah. One game, game. Yeah. Six days six days he was at Ipswich. Yeah. And beat Norwich in the derby. Yeah. Superb. So worse. Oh, this is maybe more, more of a controversial one in terms of two players who had that like Richard Chaplow and Noel Hunt, they had then two moments where like, oh my god, late winners, but were they actually any good? Not, not really, <laughs> I don't think. Um, they kind of wrote themselves into town folklore, though, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, pretty With much. In those games. Um, they about, certainly uh, weren't bad. No, no, they weren't bad. Let's talk about bad. I'm very keen to pin down bad. So we've got Jordan Graham, Reese Wabara, remember him? Um, worst loan players, boys. Give me some names. Stewie. I've got one. Uh, who was the left back that came from Palace? Zeki Fryers. Yeah, I remember him being pretty dreadful for the, the handful of games he played. Got got absolutely roasted. <laughs> Rossi, go on. Stern John. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. There's so many players that have been on loan you just completely forget about. Stern yeah. John. Jesus, yeah. Archie, can you, th- can you add to this bad part? Um, if you... If you rewind back to around 2004, the, the consensus answer to this question would be Tony Dinning, who was a, cent- <laughs> who was a central midfielder. Um, I think he was on loan from Wigan at the time, and this didn't. This is this is what didn't help him. He wasn't appalling, but he was been a really good side and wasn't up to the level of Magilton, um Jermaine Wright, who was still in that side at the time. I think. But that, he wore the number 10 shirt in central midfield mm. and he just didn't live up to it. He, uh, he just, wasn't, just wasn't up to the level of the team at that time. And he, uh, he was very much the worst lone player of that era. There you go then. Good stuff. It's a good chat. Good lone chat. Let us know what you think, best and worst. Just hit us on the various uh, social media for Kings of Anglia. Kings of Anglia on Twitter, on Instagram and also on Facebook. Let us know. And then, boys, I thought also another addition to a Monday pod, just for a little bit of fun, would be um, why not try and break a world record every Monday? Eh? Eh? We aim, high, we aim high here at the Kings of Anglia. And we have a very, very talented member among us uh, in one particular sphere of skill, and that's Stuart Watson, who you may have seen on various videos doing his pen spin. 
I would still argue that's that's one of the coolest things, one of the coolest skills anyone could have. Certainly the one I I, uh, I envy most from Stewie. So I looked up the, the world record for number of pen spins on one's thumb in a, in a minute. There is actually a record for it, and it's 75, set by a guy in Spain, I think I, uh, I recall. So I thought what we'd do, Stewie has had a, a couple of casual goes in the office uh, at this uh, and did pretty well. So I thought what we'd do is, is maybe start with this one, uh, and then every Monday we'll, we'll look at other world records that the rest of us can maybe try and set in isolation. So, Stuart, we thought this week we'd go for yours. Mm. Um, now, it's important to say that you've not been training. You're just going to do it on the night, Gov, is what you're going to do here. You're going to try and set a mark, basically. We're not expecting you to break the record, although it would obviously be tremendous. It's it's more than a spin per second, of course, that 75 mark. So, Stuart, do you want to um, do you want to talk us through, first of all, the pen you're going to use? Because that's important, isn't it? Yeah, we had to delay this because I had to go and hunt around the house for one that's... Uh that's up to the task. I've toyed yeah. with the, um, what do they call these? The H2, H2 pencil. H2 a, a pencil. pencil. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a pencil, yeah. I wanted to get the name specifically right, Hutchie. Yeah. You can't be going with one of these with the lid on the end because the lid will catch the thumb on the on the follow through. Yeah. So what I've got is I've got a nice, this is one of the wife's arty pens. Nice. I think this will do the job. Balance, I guess, is important, is it? Balances everything, yeah. Equally weighted pen. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So um, obviously, if you're if you're watching this on on YouTube, you can actually see Stewie having a go at this. If you're listening to it, obviously go back and watch it as well because it's very visual. Um, the way we're going to do it is Stu's just going to move his camera down to sort of crotch level, so you can see uh, you can see the pen. It needs to be a bit higher than that, Stu. A bit higher? No, no. Lower with the camera. Higher with the pen. There we go. More, more, more crotch. Yeah. More crotch. We want you want your crotch. Yeah, uh, so the way, it's gonna work, the way it's going to work is Hutchie's going to be the official timer. He'll put the timer up on screen uh, and I will count for the benefit of those of you listening. So the mark we're going for is 75. What would you consider to be good, Stu, with this kind of off the... Uh, off the one a second, I'll be happy with that. So if we can get 60, that would be tremendous. All right, I'm then. Nervous. Are we ready? Are we ready? Um, yeah. Hutchie, have you got the, the timer? I'm not sure, leader. Go, Stu. Gonna go cheer. Stu. Are we ready to go, Stewie? Yeah. Go. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Oh, oh no. Nine, oh. 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. Lost it. 22. 23, come on, Stu. 24, 52, 53, 54, 55, 56, 57. Stop. Stop. Oh, uh, Stewie, that's not bad at all, my friend. For no practice at all, you've come within 18 of setting a new world record. There was there. a fatal drop in there. You cannot yeah. afford a drop. You get. It, it seems to me you might get sort of cramp in your hand as well. Like, it, as you, yeah. You're focusing everything on on that hand and that spin. Yeah, I urge uh, people to go back and watch that because if you don't watch it, that's just Mark counting to 56. Yeah. <laughs> 57 it was actually, 57, that's important. People listening or going for their little uh, isolation walk, as a, listening yeah. to this as a piece of audio content. That's yeah. <laughs> possibly the worst bit of radio inverted that's commas. That's why it's quite important to not only listen but also watch back on video. Stewie, how would you assess that world record attempt? Do you happen with um, that, 57? I can do better. There's more in there. There's if more in the tank. It, the drop, the drop cost you a good two or three seconds, maybe even more. So, I think I think we can we can get close to that mark as the isolation weeks go on. You haven't got anything else to do, have you, really? So no, I'll I'll promise you, I'll I'll practice. I'll do everything I can. Yeah. Yeah. Get strengthening that thumb, thumb weights. Yeah. 
Um, all right then, boys, let's have a, a Mark's big question now, shall we? Uh, Hutchie, do you want to do the, the live? Yeah. Go. I need I need some Jaws music, please. Mark's big question. That is a very good one. That was good. Before we get going, my missus, who obviously is a member of the KLA Army, um, is insisting that she should be allowed to do a Liz's big question on one of these isolation pods. Okay. So uh, we might be able to get her involved at some point. She's currently on a phone conference, so, so she can't do today. Uh, Hutchie, give me a number between 1 and 25. 16. 16. 16 is what, or which, I suppose, posters... Did you have on your wall as a 16-year-old? Uh, yeah, come on. I think the posters might have started to come down by about by 16. But yeah. certainly, uh, yeah, lots of football posters, everything from match and shoot. Um, I've, I've said before, I was I was Everton mad as a, as a kid, so lo all the Everton players, basically. A shrine to Duncan Ferguson. A big shrine to Duncan Ferguson, yeah. Yeah. When you say your posters started to come down by the age of 16, what did you replace them with? Kind of avant-garde art? No, just normal walls. You just went with walls? <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Um, well, is that... <clears throat> you just, my, is that my wrong? Room, my room How long? was plastered with posters, uh, certainly until I went away to university, and then my university room was plastered with posters as well. Maybe I'm oh. used no, uh, when I went to uni uh, and I, met, I met, met my now wife at the yeah. age of 18, she bought me, she knew I was a big Rachel Stevens fan. So she she bought me a Rachel Stevens calendar. Wow. Um, and instead of just having it up just sort of month by month, I took out all 12 pages and stuck <laughs> stuck them all up at the same time, which she wasn't bargaining on. When she bought you that calendar, was that that, that the moment you thought she is a keeper? I'm going to marry this woman. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah that was that was in there. <laughs> Hutcho, what about you? <clears throat> didn't, I didn't have that many posters when I was like a younger teen. I did at one point try and put a um, poster of Mike Tyson that I got out of a sports magazine up on the wall, but my mum made me take it down due due oh. to. Uh, Due to his legal troubles, <laughs> um, that wasn't that wasn't the kind of man I should have should have been putting up on my wall. Apparently, um, but I went. I, I started out with posters when when I got to uni, though. Um, I had quite a nice one of George Bush's best uh, best quotes. Yeah, which I used to quite like. W we're talking about, obviously not senior. Yeah, yeah, George George W. Rossi, that you were thing. Rossi, you were you were only just over sixteen now. Uh, <laughs> what what posters did you have on your wall as a as a youth? Uh, naked ladies, of course. Yeah. <laughs> of course, uh, it is. So yeah, what what are we talking about? Proper full frontal? Was it like a prison? Uh, no, no, I didn't have that. No. Yeah. I um I I, I had a Pulp Fiction oh, poster. Yeah. Yeah, poster. Yeah. Um, but nothing really else, really. Just. Was it the one where they have bananas instead of guns? No, it's um, what's it her name? Film post, Uma Film Thurman. Poster, yeah, Uma Thurman, yeah. yeah. Her, like smoke on the bed. Yeah. That, that you know, that movie poster, but nothing else really. Maybe like an Ipswich Town sort of squad photo, maybe. Yeah. So, unfortunately, controversial, no. controversial opinion: Pulp Fiction overrated. Not one of Tarantino's best films. That's, that's all right. It's all right, yeah. It's just not up there with, with his best work. Everyone, obviously, everyone would go to that as a as a classic film. For me, and this may be me showing my age. I had uh, around that age, I had a picture of Cindy Crawford, a big poster of Cindy Crawford on the beach. Uh, I had a poster of Halle Berry, the actress, who was unbelievably good looking. Uh, and I also had lots of posters of Tupac Shakur and Biggie Smalls uh, on my walls as a Ute, obviously. Me too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 
the Jizzer, yeah, Jizzer was there. The whole Wu Tang crew were there. Um, so I think what else I had football wise, I think probably the, the guy I had most posters of was, uh, as discussed previously, was probably Dean Saunders. Um, well, that would have been a bit younger than 16. So then did we, we all have the um, the league ladder posters as well, where you could yeah, move the shirts yeah. up and down? Yeah, they were, that was a staple. That was probably before I was 16, though. They were, um, was it Match that used to do that, or did both of them do that, Match and Shoot? Uh, okay. no, probably both. I was more of a match man. I was always a match man over overshoot. I used to love the stats in the back, you know, the, the match ratings and all that sort of stuff at the back they had for every single game. <coughs> <coughs> Excuse me. So I right. right. I'm, I'm okay, boys. It's just a tickle. Um, <laughs> boys, should we do? Uh, should we? Uh, should we talk about something else, non-poster related? Should we talk about Jimmy Bullard? Because on Saturday, in the paper and online, hopefully most of you would have seen it, we had what I would say is one of the best things I've read in my decade of sports letters. Stewie tracked down Jimmy Bullard, collared him before he was, he was going out to do some fishing, and got a wonderful interview out of him about his time at town. Um, kind of going from the, the ecstasy, the highs, the loan spell, everyone buying Jimmy Bullard wigs, to the lows, the infamous night out in... Newcastle that uh, effectively ended his town career and football career really so I thought it'd be worth just talking about that Stuart you peeked behind the curtain time it was a great interview um, tell us a little bit about it um, it started with me literally just scrolling through my phone and looking at various contacts in there thinking who can I ring today to get yeah. a feature during this weird time that is eff effectively our lives at the moment um, can't even remember when or how I got Jimmy's number, but it was in there, and I thought it'd be quite an interesting one. That was the that was right my first season reporting on Ipswich was after he'd signed permanently, so I didn't actually get to see the loan spell, but I remember getting the job that summer, and there being a big clamour for for Ipswich to to sign him because he that loan spell was so good. I think five goals in sixteen games. Um, so yeah, gave Jimmy a call. Wasn't expecting him to answer or necessarily say yes, but obviously just caught him at the right moment, and um, and he was very open and honest, and um, yeah, it turned out to be quite a nice interview, I think. So it's good. Just talk a little bit about for those people who've not read it, he was um, he was quite open about the the night out in Newcastle with with Michael Chopra uh, and how he thought he was maybe harshly treated a little bit by Paul Jewell. Yeah, you could. At the end of it, Jimmy sort of said, oh, <clears throat> do you mind sending it to me? Uh, you know, please, please do a classy job of this. Don't, you know, don't stitch me up here because I've been honest with you. And I think he was very, you can almost see his thought process as he's going through the interview in terms of, I think his go-to emotion to start with was was one of anger and he still felt a bit raw about how perhaps mm. he'd been thrown under the bus or let down by, by Paul Jewell in terms of how him and Chopra were punished differently and how he was let go at the end of that season. But almost as he was sort of verbalising that, it was almost like it was sort of dawning on him that actually I was probably becoming a bit difficult to manage and now I'm older and now I've done a bit of management myself, I can probably see that I was uh, becoming a bit of a pain in the arse. So um, I just thought that was quite interesting. That That's how I tried to write it up, almost just showing his own you know, we talk about showing our working when, when we're talk, yeah. talking about things. Jimmy did a lot of that while we were chatting. Yeah. No, I thought it was really good, mate. Really, really, really interesting. Um, in terms of, you say, difficult to manage, that you could you could use that to describe quite a lot of the town players around that time, couldn't you? That's part of the, uh, the problem. Yeah. It's no, uh, no coincidence that when Mick came in, I think a big one of the first things he did was kind of changed the squad profile in terms of personalities should we say and characters you know um chopper and, and jet were two of the first ones that mick sort of looked at to get rid of and um i did a piece with luke chambers after they after the playoff season where he talked about moving on i think he used to did he use the term numpties or people yeah. like something like that and he was you know about how they that squad needed I think sometimes if you, you only need three, four, five, and I hate to use the term bad eggs, but people that are not pulling you in the right direction in terms of characters. And, and I think that can kind of 
spread and permeate throughout squad. And I think yeah. that, you know, that that was a big issue. But Jimmy talked about that squad having, there wasn't enough pace in that that team and there wasn't the right sort of chemistry. You looked at it on paper and there was a lot of big name players, inverted commas, for, for that time in the championship with Bowyer and mm. um, Ledbitter and people like that, Chopra, of course. But um they just couldn't get it to gel. There wasn't the right, you have to get the blend. It's all about chemistry, isn't it? You've got to get the right amount of pace. You've got to get the right amount of characters. You've got to get, you know, they were trying to shoot Horny when he was too many people in. It's a diamond formation, so. Yeah. Jet, of course, one of Mick's great quotes about, I'll start calling him, was it, I'll start calling him Jet when he plays like he's got a rock up his ass. Yeah. A great Mickism. Hutchie, what did you take away from the Bullard interview? I thought it was really interesting. Was there anything particularly that you, that you were fascinated by? Um, on a broad level, it's not a period of Ipswich's history that I had any real knowledge of at all. I yeah. was kind of loosely aware of a, a night out, but I didn't really know about that. So just on a broad detail, that was interesting. But the thing, I think the thing I found the most interesting was the, the clear dynamic of Jewel and Bullard's relationship there that that they were mates and yeah. that jimmy saw him as a mate and and that that as that's clearly fed into how he felt about the whole situation and that he was being wronged in his mind by a mate rather than just his boss um i found and i found that i found that really interesting because it it, it must happen especially when obviously he was such a successful player for jewel at, at wigan that that's why he came to Ipswich in the first place because of that history that they had together, and just that the that there's the the potential for that for those relationships to become difficult in football if you if you are maybe too close. It and clearly clearly Paul was going through a difficult time in his career at that point as well, and I think Jimmy was a good person to recognise that, given that he was kind of with Jewel at maybe his most successful most successful stop and could recognise that his mate was maybe drifting away from from the things that had made him successful yeah. in the past. And I just think that, that dynamic of the two of them was really interesting to read about. Mm. Yeah, it was really good, really good. And also, um, obviously, if you've not read that yet, go back and, and read it. It's online in its entirety. Um, you track back to the Ipswich Town stuff on the on the Anglian and Star websites. Go and, go and read it there. And also, Stu, you spoke to Ian Milne. Um, or today's uh, print and also online, talking specifically more about the end of the Mick era and the search for his successor, obviously being the ill-fated Hollywood Hurst. Just um, just talk a little quickly about that before we get to the strike. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's just uh, Ian obviously left the club last January, um, so chance to catch up with him and kind of look back on. He was there for for six years, but really the last year of of his tenure as MD, in which obviously 2018 was was pretty eventful with the kind of the protracted, drawn out Mick McCarthy exit, the, the lengthy search for Paul Hurst and how that quickly came to an end. So a little bit of insight into kind of the decision making around Mick leaving and how that panned out. And, um, you know, he talks about how he voiced the search for Hurst and how he voiced concerns about how that first transfer window under Paul Hurst panned out at the time so a few little nothing sort of groundbreaking but a few little uh, little bits of insight into the the thought process of the powers that be um during that whole period mm. yeah part two's just, out tomorrow yeah that's available part one is available to read now part two out tomorrow online and in print shall we do what the people have been waiting for ross have you got your jacket oh no bear with me i've left it We're in the other room ourselves ross is now off to hunt for his jacket um, you can see if you're watching on video him running through his house. Uh, whereabouts do you keep the jacket, Roscoe? Is it in some golden cupboard somewhere? Yeah, yeah. Is it just slung on the bed? Yeah, it's just on the bed waiting for me to put it on. When is I that, is that your room? Is that your kind of junk room? Yeah, don't look, don't look. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of stuff in there, my friend. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff. Drawers and, and rooms like that, trust me. Here we go then. The jacket it has been retrieved. He's putting it on now. You get going. What we're going to do intro-wise? You're going to do a, a live intro again, Hutchie, just for ease in the in the post edit. Um. Yeah. Go on. 
Hello and welcome to another edition of the Strike, brought to you by the greatest quiz show host on planet Earth, producer Ross. Right. Right. Settle down, settle down, please. Settle down. Thank you very much. Thank you. We're back for another edition of me talking nonsense, me mm-hmm. not pronouncing different things, <laughs> uh, and celebrating birthdays. That's what you do on the strike. So, blast from the past, Vladio Bonzavinsky. I think I said it right. No, <laughs> Why'd you do it no. to yourself? <laughs> it's his birthday. He turned 56 <laughs> today. Today, he's celebrating his birthday somewhere in the world right now. What was his name? Vladio Bonzovinsky. <laughs> Bonzovinsky, no? Bozanovsky. Oh, oh, my bad. Okay, yeah. how old was he? I missed that. He's 56 today. Ah, happy birthday. Happy to him. Yeah, the former midfielder spent the 1992-93 season at town, but how many games did he play? And he spent a few months at the club. Uh, in the Premier League. Stewie, do you want to go first? It's Ten. Uh, twelve. Dead odds. Well, it's twelve. Yeah. Get in, come on. One nil to the Heath. Don't flashback. Sebastian Boo turns 47 today. <laughs> what? Who? <laughs> So Massey Abu. Is that right? right. To be fair, you've nailed that one. That's not too bad, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he turns 47 today, apparently. Okay. Though, probably not. Um, He did a story, I think, for a West Ham um, paper, I think, and said that, like, apparently African players lie about their age so they can play at a high level, apparently. So, Fanini George, will, uh, his age will be in question. Yeah. When it's his birthday. But yeah, he, um, he scored one goal in five games during his loan spell from West Ham in 1998. But against which team did he score his only goal for town? Sheffield United, Birmingham or Portsmouth? Uh, I'm going to say Sheffield United. Okay. Portsmouth. And he said that with the confidence of a man who knows the answer. I don't know. I'll go with Birmingham just to make it fun. Sheffield United. Yes. Come on, boys. Catch up. In 2001, Marcus Stewart scored a hat-trick against Southampton and completed by completing that hat-trick by scoring a penalty. But who won it? Matt Holland, Martin Reusser or Jermaine Wright? Who won a penalty against Southampton in 2001? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Jermaine Wright <laughs> Matt Holland I think it was Jermaine Wright It's Matt Holland Oh boys Unbelievable. Wow. Obviously I knew that <laughs> You pretty much won But we'll still do numbers game Yeah, As it's uh, Frank Yallop's 56th birthday as well this week <laughs> uh, How many games did he play for town During his 13 seasons at Portman Road Wow uh, Jesus, 13 seasons. Um, uh, 340. Okay. 279. Uh, 401. <laughs> Stu is the closest. 385. Well Yay. done. Consolation. Oh. Look at his little face. He's absolutely buzzing. <laughs> is that like is that was that like next goal wins numbers game is that how it works yeah pretty much no. <laughs> oh it, yes well done no. Stu. yeah no. thank no, you no, thank I'm you we've got, no, we got, we got, we got one more question okay we got, got a tiebreaker if you want it but pretty much you've won alan Mann turns 42 this week good old alan but how many games did he play during his loan spell in 2003 He'd have been up there in terms of favourite loan players, wouldn't he? He was very popular with Sierra Leone. Um, how many games did he play? Uh, Eleven. Okay. 
16. Mm, 15. It's 12. Uh, What's sorry. that? 4-1? Four, 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 is, is that 4-1? Yeah. Yep. Dominated. So Absolute competitive. Dominated. Yeah. Crushed, crushed you like a, like ants under my... <laughs> do, you want, do you want a tiebreaker just for the bants? Yeah, why not? <clears throat> yeah. Okay. Always. Yeah. Yeah. Which team did Town beat 4-0 at Portland Road in 1997? <laughs> what? Oldham? Which... Oldham, Port Vale, or Grinsby Town? Uh, uh, Port Vale. Oldham. Grimsby Town. Oldham. Gr- Grimsby. <laughs> yes. this, this is the most dominant strike win ever of all times. Well done. There you go. There you go. There you go. Well, That's well, a well, one well, up for me. Drizzy, Drizzy would be proud. Hey, he Drizzy, by me. I'm just gonna he go. Doesn't care. He doesn't care, mate. He yes, doesn't he does. care. He loves he it. He couldn't. He, he couldn't even sign on the right side. I know. He showed me huge disrespect there. Roscoe, what did you say? You're going to do what? I'm just going to go to my spare room to get Barry Carter. So bear with me. Oh, okay. What? He's self-isolating <laughs> at your house. Yeah, yeah, he's, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's now, he's now, he's now, he's now Barry, yeah, come over. Yeah. Hi guys, Barry Cotter here. That was another edition of The Strike with producer Ross. Tune in next week for another edition of The Great Quiz Show. <laughs> Amazing. I should just um I should just point out while uh, while Barry does his thing that I'm uh, I'm currently sporting KOA official merch, the Honey Badger. Probably not as popular now as it was for a period at the start of the season, but um, I'm on I'm on trend. I'm on message for this podcast. That was an excellent addition to the strike, and I'm not saying that just because I won 5-1 or whatever it was. But it was <laughs> superb. Uh, boys, we're coming to the end of the show now. Um, what does the week ahead hold in store for us? Obviously, not a lot of going out other than for the, the mandated exercise. Are you still, as I am, very much in the Christmas diet. Yes. I had a I, pan de chocolat for breakfast this morning, which is basically just a cake. <laughs> Luckily, I am doing some exercise. Otherwise, I'm going to be literally the size of a house by the time we actually get back to the office. Um, Roscoe, how's the home gym coming? Are you getting massive in there? Oh, look at <laughs> those. No. That's no. a nut. <laughs> what, one one thing I'm not doing though is actually we have no like cakes or chocolate in our what? house at the moment, which what? is very rare for me. Basically, when we went shopping, Sash went only essential stuff, so we've got no chocolate, no crisps, no biscuits. So I feel very sad right now. So you're going to be like trim when we when we come out of this. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Like Jaffa cakes. Got no Jaffa cakes either. What? See the guns again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I need some sugar. I need some sugar. Hey. <laughs> I may, Hutchie, I may go. Hutchie, how are you doing in the in the isolation diet steaks? Uh, we've got three birthday cakes in the house, so um, just working my way through those. Really, yeah. yeah. I think all bets are this time all bets are off. It does feel very much like a kind of Christmas style uh, diet for me, anyway. Um, what else are we up to this week then, boys? Have you got any uh, interesting things lined up? There's things in the pipeline, my friend. I've got a couple of interviews lined up for later today that uh, hopefully will be quite interesting. I'm reluctant to attempt fate because the last time I mentioned one, I mentioned Tamas Priskin, mm. and that has not come to fruition. He's gone very quiet on me. So until they're in the bag, I don't want to don't want to mention people. Okay, fair play. Um, Roscoe and Hutchie, you looking forward to the week ahead? Oh, yeah. Buzzing, yeah. <laughs> <Bloody> buzzing, boy. <laughs> All right, then. Uh, shall, we, um, shall we take our leave before we head into the KOA club? Any other business? Anything anyone wants to mention? Oh, of course, what we do need is an update on Hutchie's facial hair. Oh, you're not going to like the update. Oh, it's, it's gone. It's gone. Oh, we have there's, a reason I, there's a reason I didn't have it in the first place, and that's because I don't like it, and it, and it is gone. Oh, it's okay. gone. Okay. You've shaved as well, aren't you, Ify? I've tidied it up a bit. Yeah. Yeah, I've not shaved completely. I've just I've just tidied it up a, a little bit. Um obviously, uh yeah. I'm not I'm not 
greatly skilled in the art of growing a beard, so I don't really know what, how to how to trim it, etc. So I'm having to kind of do that learning on the fly, as we're all going to have to haircut wise. I think your your beard your beard's obviously still looking resplendent, Roscoe. Yeah, give it another week; it will be everywhere. Yeah, what I'd love to do is take a screenshot of the first isolation pod that we did, and then contrast it to the last one we do in like three years' time, whatever it will be. 2022, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and just see how, how we've all changed. We're all going to look so feral. Anyway, boys, um, let's do the any other business. Anything to mention? No other business. No nah. other business. No other business. Okay, well, that just leaves me then to say, uh, if you have enjoyed this, hit subscribe on your various podcast providers. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes. It helps us in our visibility um, and get involved on all our social medias. Kings of Anger on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Now, of course... In the time on a tradition, it's time to head into the KOA club. It's the only club still open. You're all still invited because you are members of the KOA army. Just make sure you keep your distance. Order yourself a drink. Mine's a, mine's a whiskey, if you're asking. Uh, and let's, uh, let's head off. Have a great start to this week. We'll be back on Thursday. Stay safe, stay indoors, and keep washing them hands. We'll speak to you again on Thursday. to football, Brexit to Pokeville. For more great podcasts from Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon. Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon.